Here's another example of a mediation that we performed that helped a couple of clients resolve an issue that could have had a lot of downside for either one. And again, as always, these are cases that both parties have agreed to allow us to discuss publicly. We don't identify anybody personally, but still the details are helpful to potential clients. And also, we're not giving you legal advice. Make sure that if you have any type of potential conflict, you get good legal advice if it's needed. But in this case, it was a property owner in a subdivision, very kind of informal subdivision, and the HOA in that subdivision were having a dispute over what that property owner could build on their property. This was a vacant lot that they owned, and the subdivision was mostly developed. It had been platted out in the 1970s and early 80s. Most of the houses were built in the 70s and 80s. And there was a few lots that still weren't built. And it wasn't one of these subdivisions where you see where all the houses are the same, it's the same builder, and there's a gate in the front and a sign. It was just a platted out neighborhood where people bought lots and built their own homes over time. Some of the houses were built in the 90s and 2000s. So it was a vast variety of different homes. And this particular property owner wanted to build something a little bit non-standard. They wanted to build a smaller house than normal. They wanted to build about a 900 square foot house, more like a tiny house. It was going to be a vacation home and it was going to have an RV lot, an RV pad attached to it where when they visited with their motorhome, they could park it there and kind of live back and forth between the two. And the HOA objected to it saying it didn't meet the design standards. So the property owner went through their the HOA documents, the CC&Rs as they call them, and saw that there were some vague references to lot size and home size and other types of requirements that maybe would have invalidated their plans. However, there were a few houses in the subdivision that already had homes that were smaller than what they wanted to build. There was a house in the subdivision that was 810 square feet. There was another house in the subdivision that there was actually two parcels owned by the same person. And on one lot, they built a big house, 2,500 feet. And on the other house, they on the other lot, they built a little granny suite, a guest house, an ADU that was about 600 square feet. And the subdivision claimed that, well, that's a separate residence on the same lot. But technically, they were two separate lots. And that's how it was approved with the permitting with the with the county. So there was a dispute about what they wanted. There were, it was going to go to court. There were some court filings started where the, the property owner had sued the HOA, filed a, a notice of, of lawsuit. The HOA was going to defend it. And as part of that, the court couldn't require mediation, but the court suggested it. They say if you go to court after doing mediation, a lot of times the judge will look at it more favorably because at least you have some good faith effort to try to resolve this. In addition, to their credit, the attorney that represented the HOA suggested doing some mediation. And both attorneys tried to work it out between themselves, but there was some animosity between the parties. So it didn't really work out. So we got involved and we heard both parties' point of view. Look, the guy with the property, him and his wife, they said, look, we just want to build a nice house. It's going to be a quality design. They had a floor plan and elevations that the house was actually very high end. It was luxury finishes, had all cedar siding, barrel tile roof. It was a very, very nice house. 
and the the landscaping on the lot the site work was going to be very high end it was a, a quality thing it wasn't like an old mobile home they were trying to build and the HOA the basics the basis of their objection was look they don't want this to be an RV park right they knew that this person had an RV, a motorhome it was going to be a motorhome pad and they were going to primarily use the motorhome for their living and then when they visited this property they were going to use this other house for additional living space so their objection was they didn't want it to be a mobile home park an rv park but it really wasn't these were you know high-end people their their motorhome was actually worth several hundred thousand dollars and it was worth more than the house was probably going to cost so we we heard both sides and we understood that each one had a certain priority objective they're trying to meet but we also looked at the facts and one of the facts was there were already three residential structures in this HOA that were less than the square footage that they were claiming is required. There was some reference in the CCNRs that you had to build at least 1,000 square feet and it has to be a primary residence, but the wording of it was kind of vague. And what we did was we said, look, we're not attorneys, but if you go to court and the property owner says, look, you already set a precedent by allowing these other houses to be sold, or to be built less than a thousand square feet, basically you invalidated that prerequisite, that requirement. In fact, if you've done that, you might have invalidated your entire CCNRs. If you're not policing them, if you're not enforcing them properly, you are invalidating your CCNRs. In fact, we suggested to both parties that you get advice from attorneys that if there are other CCNRs that have not been enforced over the years. Is this even a valid HOA anymore? Are they having meetings? Is there a design board? Are they enforcing all of the other covenants within this this uh, subdivision? And both attorneys for both parties, to their credit, suggested that, well, it's the judge would have to decide, but there's many cases where if you don't enforce your rights, sometimes it can be invalidated. And the the property owner didn't want to invalidate the HOA. They liked the fact that it was an HOA that had certain design standards and requirements and there was a lot of rules about the HOA that were beneficial to the property owner. So they didn't want to invalidate the entire HOA. They just wanted to build the house the way they wanted to. The HOA being dissolved wouldn't be good for the for the CCNRs either, for the subdivision. So nobody wanted that. So we we talked again to the HOA board and we asked them what is your major objection they said well we don't want to be an RV park we want people to be living in houses not in trailers and at some point some of the board members started to realize it was not an actual trailer it was a high-end luxury Tegra motorhome but still there was setting a precedent if you let one person do it then you have a trailer then the next thing you know it's it's all downhill from there so the question was well what's what is in your mind that determining factor if they're living in the motorhome or living in the house and they said well the way it's set up when you drive by you see this motorhome and then the house is behind it and i said well other people have motorhomes on their property you know they have a trailer or a camper or an rv and they said yeah but that's parked on the side or parked in the back it's in their garage it's not really their primary thing so what i asked both parties was would it be any problem if the residential structure was the primary visual, the primary design element as you viewed this property, if it was flipped around so you saw the house first and the RV was parked, the motorhome was parked on the back side of it. 
and the property owner had a little bit of an objection because the view wouldn't be as good because the the site layout wasn't supposed to that plus you have to drive around the house which means you have to go up a little bit of a hill with this motorhome the HOA, to their credit, started to realize that, look, if we fight this, we might lose and it might even cost us more with our HOA. So let's suggest that as an alternative and ask them if they could at least add on another 150 square feet, get it over 1,000, put the motorhome in the back, would that be okay? The property owner really didn't want to go bigger because the design that they had was exactly what they wanted. They had a floor plan. It was already set from the architect, and they wanted to do this floor plan. But the architect could have it reversed it, did a mirror image, so it would go the other way and they could park on the other side. Eventually, the property owner looked at it again, they walked the property, they put some stakes out, and they realized that if they did it another way, there would actually be some advantages. The way that the door opened on the motorhome, it would open on the correct side, so it would actually walk right into the house. They wouldn't have to walk around the motorhome. They could put an awning over it or a covering over it, and that would actually work but there's still this ticking point of the square footage so when we started to see that there was this overhang being built we asked what if they built a small little utility room shed at the end of this overhang at the end of this covering that would add maybe 100 square feet maybe if it was you know 10 by 10 8 by 12 get you close to 1000 square feet would that be good and that's what everybody came up with. The property owner agreed to flip their floor plan facing the other way. So when the motorhome was on property, it was completely behind the house. The house itself was still 880 square feet, but this there was another 120. It was a 10 by 12 addition that was added on. It was just a utility room. It wasn't even connected to the house. And it was good for storage. You know, we recommended, look, when you have your motorhome, there's going to be some things that you want to put in storage, and that's a good storage place for it. In addition to that, they also were able to modify the HOA to formalize that square footage, saying that all the property owners agreed that even in the past there were some smaller square footage, but going forward, those were grandfathered in. There wouldn't be any more allowed, so that solidified the HOA. And it also required that somebody's primary residence could not be a camper, mobile home, motor home. It had to be the actual residence. So even if you had a shed on your property, you can't live in your rig and then just have your shed to hold a place. So it was a win-win all around. Everybody got what they wanted, and it also protected that HOA from having a different type of RV owner want to come in and make waves and turn it into an RV park. So everybody benefited from it, and you know, for a couple weeks of mediation back and forth, I think we spent, you know, half an hour with each party three or four times, so a few hours altogether. Everybody worked out, and then avoided a court case because once you have a court case, now you have a precedent, and it puts it on the record of what the rules are, and that might not have been good for anybody. If you have questions about a mediation, contact us through our website or put comments below.